Well, good morning. It is good to be in the house of the Lord today. And it is a uh, privilege and an honor for me to be asked to speak here at the uh, Covenant Primitive Baptist Church in Oak Ridge, Tennessee. So I am uh, counted a privilege and an honor uh, to be able to speak this morning. Uh I would like to take the scripture from uh, Philippians uh, that we'll be speaking about in uh, Philippians chapter 3. Uh, and I'll read uh, the first 10 verses. The title from a lesson, or the message had to have a title. It would say, Do You Know Him? Do you know Him? Now, we know that a lot of people today profess or say that they know God. But do we really know the sovereign, eternal, all-powerful God that the Scripture talks about and teaches? And so I'm hoping after the message today that we'll know a little more about the sovereign God uh, that we uh, read about and talk about in the Scriptures. In Philippians chapter 3, verse 1, it says, Finally, my brethren, rejoice in the Lord to write the same things to you, to me, indeed, is not grievous, but for you it is safe. Beware of dogs. Beware of evil workers. Beware of the concision of the Judaizers. For we are the circumcision which worship God in the Spirit and rejoice in Christ Jesus and have no confidence in the flesh. Now we know that the scripture teaches that if we are able to worship God in spirit and in truth, and that's the only way that we can, that's what He requires. So we are, He says here, we are the circumcision which worship God in the spirit. We have to have a heart surgery. We have to have a heart change. It has to be of the heart because we cannot worship God in the flesh, only in the spirit, because he is a spirit. And who that, that worships him must worship him in spirit and in truth. He does not accept error in his worship, he has laid down the principles, even in the Old Testament, and then when Jesus Christ came on the scene, and uh, the 
economy of Jesus Christ came into in the church and he organized his assembly or his church, his ecclesia, then he had rules and regulations for that that would be pleasing unto him. It says in verse 4, Though I might also have confidence in the flesh, if any other man think that he hath whereof that he might trust in the flesh, I more circumcised the eighth day of the stock of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew of Hebrews, as touching the law, a Pharisee, concerning zeal, persecuting the church, touching uh, touch, uh, touching the righteousness of uh, which is in the law, blameless. But what things we gain to me, I, those I count loss for Christ. Yea, doubtless, and I count all things but loss for the excellency of the knowledge of Christ Jesus, my Lord, for whom I have suffered the loss of all and the loss of all things, and do count them but dumb, that I may win Christ, and he and be found in him, not having mine own righteousness, which is of the law, but that which is through the faith of Jesus Christ, the righteousness which is of God by faith. So the faith that we have is the faith of Jesus Christ that has been given to us as a gift. We are saved by grace through faith, and that not of yourselves, it is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. We are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus unto good works that he has before ordained that we should walk in them. So the Lord has purposed and planned the way of life for his elect people and those that he calls out. Now, verse 10 is my text. That I may know him and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his sufferings being made conformable unto his Death. Paul here saying, and he was desiring, that I may know him. That I may know him. Now this word know in the Greek is genosko. G-I-N-O-S-K-O. That means that it is a, a prime verb to know absolutely. Perceive to be resolved, to be resolved, be sure, understanding, to attain awareness and understanding or perceive or to be absolutely sure, to know. Do we know him? And so I uh, recall uh, in Daniel chapter 4 about... Nebuchadnezzar, which was an evil king, he was uh, a proud king, and so uh, he gave himself uh, credit for building the, the kingdoms and by his own power and 
and uh, he was bragging about it. So the Lord uh, gave him a vision or a dream that he didn't understand one time. And so he called in his magicians and his soothsayers and all of that. They couldn't help him. So he told them there was a man there that was of the Hebrew, the captivity of Babylon that uh, could uh, interpret dream so they called Daniel in and he interpreted that, that in essence that he would uh, be stepping down from the kingdom That, uh, but it says in verse uh, in verse 26 of Daniel 4 it says uh, and whereas that they commanded to leave the stump of the tree root thy kingdom shall be sh- sure unto thee after that thou shalt have known that the heavens do rule. Now the Lord here is going to be teaching Nebuchadnezzar something about the sovereign God that he didn't know. And that he is going to be finding out what and who the true God is. And so uh in uh verse thirty five and thirty seven Daniel in verse thirty five Daniel four it says and all the inhabitants of the earth is reputed as nothing and he doeth according to his will in the armies of heaven and among the inhabitants of the earth. And none can stay his hand or say to him, What doest thou? And in verse 37, After the Lord had, the Scripture says, had put him, uh, passed over him seven times, or we say maybe seven years, or whatever that seven times was. But we know that in biblical numerology, that number seven is completion. But anyway, when God got finished with him, of passing over him seven times, of putting him out to pasture, to eat like the animals, and to uh, grow feathers, and claws, and uh, like the eagles, and laying out in the fields and eating like that and have uh, the dew on him. And after the Lord had passed over him seven times, he said in verse 37, and he recognized, Now I, Nebuchadnezzar, praise and extol and honor the King of heaven, all whose works are truth and his ways judgment. And those that walk in pride, he is able to abase. So the Lord was teaching Nebuchadnezzar something here about the true and the living God that he didn't understand and know. Because uh, that he said that uh, I, Nebuchadnezzar, uh, in verse 30, it says, The king spake. And said, Is not this great Babylon that I have built for the house of the kingdom by the, by the might, might of my power? 
It says, while the word was in the king's mouth, there fell a voice from heaven saying, O King Nebuchadnezzar, to thee it is spoken, the kingdom is departed from thee. But it was promised to them in the beginning that they would leave a root to the tree that was in the vision. And that after this episode, after God of teaching him that his kingdom would be restored uh, back to him for uh, a period of time. So it is by, in Proverbs 16 and verse 6 says, By mercy and truth iniquity is purged, and by the fear of the Lord men depart from evil. Daniel, Daniel 2 and 21 says, And he, God, changes the times and the seasons. This is the God that we serve, that he is in control of all things. Nahum 1 and 3 says, The Lord is slow to anger and great in power and will not at all acquit the wicked. The Lord hath his way in the whirlwind and in the storm. And the clouds are the dust of his feet. You know, the disciples one time was amazed, and the people was amazed at an incident that Jesus was out on the sea and there come up a storm. And he spoke and he says, Winds be still, be calm. And the waves. And they said, what manner of man is this that even the winds and the waves obey him? So that is the God that we serve. In Romans 8, 28, 29, and 30 says, And we know, this is the Greek word here again, genosko, means to... Uh, uh, to resolve or to be sure that all things work together for good to them that love God and to them who are the called according to His purpose. Now that's a great promise that we bank on as primitive Baptists and we uh, quote that a lot and, and that's a good scripture because that we recognize that God is a sovereign God in all things, and He works things out for His honor and glory and for our good. In verse 29 it says, For whom He did foreknow, that is the Greek word progenosko, that to know beforehand, He also did predestinate to be conformed to the image of his son that he might be the firstborn among many brethren. In verse 30 says, Moreover whom he did predestinate, 
The verb here literally means to mark off or to choose beforehand. Them he also called or summons to himself or quickens. And when he calls, calls them, he also justified our sins forgiven by the death of Jesus Christ. That is what Jesus Christ accomplished on the cross for us was our justification that he died for and took care of the penalty of our sins on the cross of Calvary by his death, burial, and resurrection. And whom, that's not in all whom he justified, them he also glorified, and that to be changed into the likeness of Jesus Christ. That's something that we have something to look forward to in the future. Amen. That we are being now being conformed to the image of Jesus Christ. And one day when we see Him face to face, the Scripture says we don't know what we will be like, but we know that we will be like Him when we see Him. So that's enough to look forward to that we'll be like Jesus Christ. And that is, you know, the scripture there in First Peter talks about uh, the chief cornerstone and the living stones. And that we refer to us as living stones. Now, a stone... It's just laying out here on the ground. It has no shape. It's just a piece of rock. And that's the way we are when Christ quickens us and saves us. And then He starts to work on us and start chiseling us and shaping us to form us to fit where He desires for us to serve Him. Just like they did in the building of Solomon's temple. In 2 Kings 6 and verse 7, it says that, that all of the beams, the, the stones that were used in the building of the temple was shaped and chiseled in the quarry outside the area for, from which the house of God was going to be built. Because he said that there was not a, didn't want a sound of an axe or a chisel or a saw in the area where the Lord's house was going to be built. So that is telling us that Jesus Christ, by the quickening power of the Holy Spirit that He shapes us and brings us to where He wants us to be. And it is not by any physical work or anything that we might do, but it is by the righteousness and the purpose and the plan of Almighty God to, to shape us and to chisel us. And He is doing this continually. And one day, He will... When we come to the end of this life, He will chisel and hammer the last lick of us that we might 
fit in and serve him in his kingdom forever and ever. And I'm so thankful. And I believe as the bride of Christ in the new Jerusalem that we will be serving God and Christ and we will be ever learning about him throughout eternity. So that is a wonderful thing to to know that God does not. It says that uh, He that has begun a good work in you, He will perform it until the day of Jesus Christ. So that's that's the reason we can have what we call security of the believer. It that we can be sure and steadfast, and to know that this sovereign God that we serve, that He is true to His promises. So, in Philippians 3 and 10, it says, that I may know Him. Paul says, that I may know Him. Not speculate about Him, but know Him. Paul desired a fuller and a richer experience in the knowledge of Christ and the power of His resurrection. That power exercised when God raised Christ from the dead. So I might ask, do we know this God? In Ephesians chapter 2 and verse 1, it says, You hath He quickened who were dead in trespasses and in sins. You hath he quickened. John 14 and 6 says, No man can come to me except my Father draw him, or that he comes by me. John 6, 44 says, No man can come to me unless my Father draw him. That word can there means that we don't have the ability to come to Him apart from the working power of the Holy Spirit. So this sovereign God that we serve is in charge. And Daniel, Nebuchadnezzar says, the inhabitants of the earth is reputed as nothing. He has his way in the armies of heaven among the inhabitants of the earth, and none can stay his hand or say to him, What doest thou? Ephesians chapter 1, 19 and 20 says, And what is the exceeding greatness of his power to us who believe according to the working of his mighty power? which he wrought in Christ when he raised him from the dead and set him at his own right hand in the heavenly places in the fellowship of his sufferings. You know, I'm thankful that when Jesus Christ died on the cross and he says it's finished, that the veil was rent from top to bottom coming down from man, uh, God to man. That opened up the way. Today, we do not need no human person on earth 
to make intercessions for us or to go in and offer sacrifices for us. We have been made kings and priests in Christ. That we have the privilege and the ability now through Jesus Christ to go into the very presence of God. And that we can give Jesus Christ our petitions. And he interprets those things and tells the Heavenly Father what we need and what we desire. Scripture says sometimes we don't know what to pray and how to pray that we can just moan and groan. But Jesus Christ can interpret that to the Father for us that we he might know that's a privilege. Don't everybody have that. Romans eight seventeen says, And if children, then heirs, heirs of God, join heirs with Him, that we may be also glorified together, being made conformable unto His death. Christians are to live as those who died with Christ, and who have been raised to a newness of life. You know, we are to be a different person, different people. Second Corinthians five seventeen says, Ye that have uh, that has been born of God. Uh, let me let me turn that so I don't want to miss misquote it. Sec, uh, I believe that's Second Corinthians, Second uh, Corinthians uh, five seventeen. Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature or a new creation. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things have become new. So it is incumbent on us as a child of God. That our desires and our lifestyle is to be in line with the Word of God and to be true to Him. In Romans 6, 6, 7, and 8 says, Knowing this, that our old man is crucified with Him, that the, the body of sin might be destroyed, that henceforth we should not serve sin. Now, that doesn't mean that we, uh, while we're still in the flesh here, we will sin in the flesh, but not willfully or uh, don't want to sin. We sin more than we want to. But that means that we won't serve sin as a lifestyle, uh, as a continual thing. Now, we say, and the Lord tells us, that in First John, I believe it is, says that when we sin, we have an advocate or a lawyer that we can go to and ask forgiveness, and he is faithful and just to forgive us of that sin. So that's just another privilege that we have, isn't it? So says in verse seven says, For he that is dead is free from sin. And verse 8 says, Now, if or since we be dead with Christ, we believe that we should also live with Him. 
So our old man, this is our old self, the person that we were before we were crucified with Christ. So the body of sin might be destroyed. Now we know that Paul tells us in various places that we are to mortify the flesh or to put to death the old man and the flesh and be renewed in the spirit and put on the new man which is after righteousness. So the uh, the believers now we as believers have the power to serve Christ instead of our old master. This body of sin. So in verse 7 it says, free from sin. The believer has been delivered from the guilt of sin and the penalty of sin and is set free to serve Christ. One day, we will be saved from the very presence of sin at the glorification. So 1 John 4 and 4 says, Ye are of God, little children, and have overcome them, because greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. Second Corinthians five seventeen, as I've already mentioned. Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature or a new creation. Old things are passed away, behold, all things have become new. First John chapter three, verses two, three, and nine it says, Beloved, now are we the sons of God. And it does not yet appear or be manifest what we shall be. But we know that when he shall appear or when he shall be manifest, we shall be like him for we shall see him as he is. And every man that hath this hope in him purifieth himself even as he is pure. You know, that is to be a desire of every child of God. That it should hurt us when we do sin and go against our Heavenly Father. And that by the Spirit of God, that pricks our heart and our conscience. That's what brings us back in, to repentance and to, uh, to uh, trust in Him that we are to be pure and holy as He is holy. Whosoever is born of God doth not commit sin, for his seed remaineth in him, and he cannot sin because he is born of God. Now we, some people I talk to, quote scripture there, and uh, 
the, the say that you, the scripture says that which is born of God cannot see. So they use that scripture to prove sinless perfection. But what this is saying here, that which is born of God cannot sin. The only thing that has been born of the Spirit of God at this time with us that's here is the inner man, the who we really are, the heart of man. That has been born of God and it can't sin. But what sin is this is still sin, the flesh. And the the flesh still sin. But that which is unborn to God can't sin in the, the heart of man. So that's what uh, Paul talks about. We have two natures. We have a spiritual nature, and we still have this physical body to contend with, which is sin. There's a warring, as Paul says. The inner man don't sin, but the outer man has a problem with it. So, uh, that's the reason, uh, you know, that, that Jesus Christ is our living stones that He is continually chiseling on us, hammering on us to conform us to the image of Jesus Christ. Believers have God's seed. There is a reason believers no longer sin incessantly as the devil does. It is because that his seed, the divine principle of life in the Holy Spirit, abides in him. The new birth produces a radical change. But whoever does not do what is right as a lifestyle, is not of God. This is particularly true of one lacking love for his Christian brothers. Now, I have a lot of problems with people saying that and profess that they know God and that they have been born again, but they are living in a continual sinful lifestyle. Those two things are not compatible. I don't believe that's possible for God to allow a truly born-again individual to live every day consistently in sin. It says, those whom I love, I chasten and I correct. We may get off for a little bit, but God is going to whip us and get us back in line. So that is a comfort to note. First John 2 and 6. He that saith that he abideth in him ought himself also to walk even as he walked. So we are to walk after the footsteps of Jesus Christ and his example. First John two seventeen, And the world passes away. And the lust thereof, but he that doeth the will of God abideth forever. Philippians 2.13 it says, For it is God which worketh in you both to will and to do 
of his good pleasure. Turn with me to Colossians chapter 3. Colossians chapter 3. Since or if, if or since we then be risen with Christ, seek those things which are above. Where Christ sitteth on the right hand of God. Set your affections on things above, not on things on the earth. For we are dead, and your life is hid with Christ in God. When Christ, who is our life, shall appear, then shall we also appear with him in glory. Mortify, therefore, your members which are upon the earth, fornication, uncleanness, inordinate affections, evil concoctions, and covetousness, which is idolatry. For such things, uh, sake the wrath of God cometh on the children of disobedience, in the which that ye also walk sometimes when ye live in them. But now ye also put off all of these anger, wrath, malice, blasphemy, filthy communication out of your mouth. And let not one to uh, lie not one to another, seeing that you have put on the old man, put off the old man with his deeds. And have put on the new man which is renewed in knowledge after the image of him that created him. Where there is neither Greek nor Jew, circumcision nor uncircumcision, barbarian, Scythian, bond nor free. But Christ is all and in all. In Romans chapter 6. Romans chapter 6. Verses 4 and 5. Therefore we are buried with him by baptism into death, that like as Christ was raised up from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so we also should walk in newness of life. For if we have been planted together in the likeness of his death, we shall be also in the likeness of his resurrection. So it's the resurrection of Jesus Christ was an essential part of our eternal life or our uh, glorification. In First Corinthians, First Corinthians chapter uh, fifteen, in verse thirty-one, it says, "I protest by your rejoicing." which I have in Christ Jesus, our Lord, I die daily. So this is a continual thing that we die daily to this flesh and to this uh, way of life and to this sinful body. In Galatians chapter 5, Galatians chapter 5, 
24, 25, and 26. And they that are Christ have crucified the flesh with affections and lust. If we live in the Spirit, let also walk in the Spirit. Let us not be desirous of vain glory, provoking one another, envying one another. And finally, in Romans 8, Romans 8 and verse 13. For if ye live after the flesh, ye shall die. But if you through the Spirit do mortify the deeds of the body, ye shall live. Heavenly Father, as we approach your throne, we come thanking you, Lord, that you are God, that you are the ruler of the universe, that you are the ones that uh, changes seasons and uh, that you're in control of all the natural elements that you have created. And Heavenly Father, we're so thankful that you are in charge and that you are sovereign over your eternal purpose that you have purposed uh, before the foundations of the world. And now we can be a part of seeing that being worked out day by day in our lives. And Heavenly Father, we have confidence that the work that you have begun in your elect people, that you will perform it until the day of Jesus Christ. And Heavenly Father, that all that believe in Jesus Christ shall not be confounded, the Scripture says, or will not be ashamed. So that's telling us that all people that believe in Jesus Christ will surely be saved because you tell us in your word that whosoever believeth in Jesus Christ thou shall be saved. And we're thankful for that and we're thankful that you in your sovereign power that you work all things according to your will and your purpose for your honor and glory and for our good. For it's in Christ's name I pray. Amen.